0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. How many of you know that the Lord wants to do a new thing in your heart and in your life, amen? The Lord is is not here to just be, you know, know, have us, you know, just go through the same thing habitually over and over, this mundane routine, if you will, this religious routine that that is not fresh, that's not new, that's not life-giving. Sometimes if you do the same thing over and over and over and over, it will wear you down. You'll get weary, right? You'll get tired of the same thing. You'll get exhausted in your heart. And so in Luke chapter five, verse 36 is where we're gonna be tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. Luke chapter five, verse 36, it says, he told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. Verse 37, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Verse 38, it says, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says that the old is better. Amen? Let's pray for the word of God tonight. Lord, we're just... Thankful for your spirit, and and Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just speak through me, Lord, your vessel. Lord, I humble myself before you, God. And I just pray tonight that your holy word would just speak to each and every heart in this place, Lord. Show us, God, what you want us to, to know tonight, Lord, and we pray for hearts of understanding, God, hearts that would receive your word tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we see in this passage of Scripture In Luke chapter 5, I want to kind of set up the context for you. Jesus is is responding to the question of why his disciples did not fast and pray and the followers of the Pharisees and John the Baptist did, okay? So he's answering this question here in Luke chapter 5. And so Jesus begins by giving a set of contrasts or things that simply didn't mix. So he's giving an explanation for why, you know, the, the, his disciples were walking and living the way that they were and why they weren't walking and living the same way that the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist were. And so he said, a guest of the bridegroom would not fast on a joyful occasion. Right? This is just a few verses before. He said, a guest of the bridegroom would not fast on a joyful occasion and no one would sew new cloth on an old garment because it would not match. So if you think about this with me, you know, Jesus is... Is, is revealing something from the word here, and he's wanting us to understand what is actually happening here. And so he's illustrating this with these points. He said no one would pour new wine into an old wineskin because it would burst the skin, right? And so he was explaining to them, and this is what the meaning of the parables were. He was explaining to them that his way, the new way, and there was something that, was, that had just happened. Jesus was revealed in this earth and his ministry had begun. You see, the old way, the old covenant was that the priests had to go and they had to you know, sprinkle the blood of, of lambs and of rams and of goats and bulls and they had to make atonement for the sins of men once a year. But this wasn't the new thing that God was doing. This is, wasn't what was happening. And so Jesus says there's something new that's actually happening, and there was a new covenant in his blood. And you can read about that in Luke 22. And so he's saying, here's the deal. The way that you guys, the Pharisees, you want to mix what you've done and what you're doing, and you want to mix it with what I'm doing. You want to bring it and you want to marry these two things that actually can't work together. One has to die so that the other one can live. And there's this operation that we have in the Spirit that we have to be really careful with in understanding is sometimes we get wrapped up in thinking that, you know what, we can carry our old ways of religion into this new life of the Spirit and still function the same way and please God. And how many of you know that it doesn't work that way? Amen? Amen. The Lord's not looking for religious people. The Lord is not looking for, you know, well-dressed and well-groomed people that, that walk around like Pharisees, you know, inside and outside of the church. And so he's trying to get them to understand that the old way, it was simply unmixable. And so the Pharisees refused to try the new way that was through Jesus because they assumed that their old way was better. How many of you can relate to that? You know, sometimes we think our old way of living is, is, you know, how we're used to. Because guess what? Your old way of living is what you were born into. It's what your flesh and your carnal your being, you know, is used to functioning in. Amen? So when you come to Christ and you accept Jesus in your life, everything's new. And we don't understand everything all the time, right? We don't understand what it is that he's, the way he's wanting us to trust him, the way that he's wanting us to have relationship and communion and fellowship with him. We don't always get it because we're thinking that we can still do the old, but be new. And the Lord is actually wanting our hearts to be transformed, amen? Hebrews chapter eight, verse six. I'm gonna read several verses here. Hebrews 8 and 6 says this, but in fact, the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, amen? Since the new covenant is established on better promises, amen? How many of you want a better promise? We need a better promise, amen? It said, for if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, It said, no place would have been sought after for another. It says, but God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. He said, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. It says, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. He says, so this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and I will, they will be my people. It says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. He said, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. How many of you are grateful for the covenant and the new covenant in the blood and through the blood of Jesus? Amen. I'm super thankful for that. I'm super grateful for that. Amen. That means that you and I, we all can have communion with God. See, back in the days in the old covenant, you know, the priest would have been the person that would speak to God on your behalf. Amen. And sometimes I think that 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 same religious, you know, command and demand has, has crept its way back into the church where the people of God, the body of Christ, they don't pray. And they just expect the pastor to do it for them. The people of the body of Christ, they don't function in the spirit the way that the Lord has actually enabled them and given them the authority to do so. They just do, and they just expect the pastor to do everything. They expect the pastor to speak to them the word, and they don't open the word for themselves, amen? They expect the pastor to pray over them, and they don't pray over themselves or their family. And the Lord is actually saying, he's saying, listen, it's so much better that I've given you access. It's so much better. It's so much easier you don't have to wait for me to bless you. You don't have to wait for pastor to pray over your life. You can commune with God, the God of the heavens and the earth, all by yourself. That's a good promise. Because guess what? Your pastor may not always be there. He may not always be available. He may not always be you know, the, you know, ready at your beckoned call. And then what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do What are you going to do when you're in the midnight hour? What are you going to do when disaster strikes your home? What are you going to do in those moments? You see, but if you've stepped into this new covenant with Jesus, then you know that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of your heart and inside of your life. And guess what? You can call upon him at any time, any hour, You don't need somebody to stand in the gap for you because guess what? He is the high priest, amen? And he intercedes on your behalf day and night before the throne room of heaven. How many of you are thankful for that new covenant, amen? You see, what the law was powerless to do, Christ fulfilled the law because he came as the spotless lamb of God to be slain for the sins of the world, amen? And so old wineskins, you know, their elasticity, it'll be unable to stretch and hold what is new. See, what the Lord wants to do in the life of each and every one of us, the plans that God has for your life, they can never be accomplished through the old. You see, everything that the Lord has done in my life up until this point, if I was still living the way that I used to live in the way that Jesus freed me from, the Lord would never be able to operate in my life. Because I try to be operating under my past, under the thing that Jesus died, that should be crucified, amen, and should be raised back to life in him. But if I operate from that place, then guess what? The Lord cannot work through my life. The old wineskin will never hold the new. And so how very much can we all relate to that in regard into holding on tradition rather than stretching and growing in the truth of the word of God? The Lord is wanting to do something in our life. It's our old nature. It's our old habits. It's our lifestyle that prevents us from stepping into the new life that the Lord has planned for us. When we look back, and Pastor preached a phenomenal message just a couple weeks ago with, you know, talking about Lot's wife. But when we look back, church, and we, 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 we posture ourselves towards Egypt, towards that place of captivity where we were once enslaved by sin, We cannot do anything for God. The Bible says that anyone who looks back and puts his hand to the plow is not fit for the kingdom. You see, you cannot plow a straight row if you're looking back. How many of you mowed your yard? Anybody mow your yard? Praise God. Mike's raising his hand. My brother right here. Yeah, some of us, we mow the yard, all right? That's how I get my tan. I'm not too tan, but that's how I get my tan. I got a farmer's tan, like they say. When I go out there and mow the yard, guess what? I have to look forward. You go to my yard, I have straight lines. All right? I pride myself in that. Why? Because I'm not looking to the left, I'm not looking to the right, and I'm not looking back. There's a reason that you have to look forward. Amen? There's a reason that we have to keep looking towards Jesus. Amen? When we keep our eyes on him and we, we place our focus on him every single day, he will lead us into those righteous paths for his namesake. He will allow us and he will guide us and he will direct us in the perfect way, but it's our old nature that always wants to destroy our life. Jesus gave three points to illustrate what he meant. The first thing that he said was a piece of cloth is not, used, uh, is not used to patch an old garment, amen? That is, a new cloth cannot be on an old garment because it will fail to match. So what he was saying was this, is he was saying that he was not simply patching up your old life. You see, sometimes people think that coming to Jesus is like, you know, some kind of a AA meeting, you know, what do they call those people, that they're in recovery, Right? That is, they're, they're, you know, they're in recovery. You know, they're, they, they, they still do some of the stuff that they used to do, but they're, they're kind of getting cleaned up, right? And that's not how it is when you come to Jesus, amen? He's not patching up your old life, and he's not putting a patch on the old covenant of the law, but he's actually starting a new life in us by being born again, amen? It doesn't happen by he's just simply doing a little patchwork, amen? Matthew 9 and 16 says this, he said it this way, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. How many, how many of you have ever had clothes shrink? Amen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're already, we're, we're already feeling this one, right? You're like, oh, Pastor Duke, I've had some clothes shrink. It was either because of our expansiveness <laughs> and our growth in the Lord, <laughs> or it's because the dryer was too hot. I don't know, but, but some, some way it happened. But well, listen to the wording here. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Why is that important? Because every time you put your first clothes in the washer, it's going it's to get a little bit tighter than it was when you took it off the shelf at the store. So what happens if, if it's not shrunk yet and you sew it on there? And what, what happens when it gets washed? It's going to shrink. And all those threads are going to tear and it's going to sever and it's going to open back up. It's gonna, it says the patch will pull away from the garment, and it'll actually make the tear worse. So in this relationship with Christ, we cannot rest on old morals, amen? We cannot rest on the past. We cannot rest on and rely on the old traditions or the old methods of where the Lord has brought us out of. There's a saying that says that the methods will change, amen? But the message of Jesus should never change, amen? Amen. That is God's word is eternal, meaning there in society, in society that we see today, there's constant change. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to my wife. I was able to minister this past weekend at a youth ministry uh, in Edinburgh, and, and they invited me to preach at this uh, little youth conference thing that they had. And so I was out there, and I was ministering the word of God to them, and, and my wife and I were just talking about how when we were youth pastors, and, you know, we were reminiscing because it's been a few years now, but we are talking about the struggles and the things that we saw our youth go through back in 2004 to 2010. And now we're seeing what the young people are being attacked with today in 2023 and it's vastly different, right? Society has changed and there's this you know, you know, progressive thing that's happened that we see that there's just a greater attack, I believe, on the younger generations uh, here in America, right? But here's the deal even though the enemy might change his way of attacking your life or doing something new and, and throwing you know, all kinds of different you know, types of perversion and things into your life, guess what? The answer is still the same. It's still Jesus, amen? We cannot waver from the gospel. We cannot modify the gospel to meet the needs of a society that says that everything must change, amen? Because we have and we serve an unchanging God, Amen. And so we can never change the gospel, but guess what? There's the methods might change, but the message will never change. Fashion trends change. I saw somebody the other day, it it blew my mind, but they looked like they came out of 1999. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, I wore that once. You know, I was like, you know, that was me in high school. Like, why are you wearing this? You know, and it was just, you know, this revolving door of fashion, right? Like things go out of style and then they come back into style. Interesting, isn't it? But the message that you and I are responsible to deliver, the way that we're supposed to live our life before the Lord, we are responsible to deliver the message and the gospel in the exact same way and still point this people and this world to Jesus. There's no other way, amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Second Corinthians 3 and 6 says this. He has made us competent, as ministers of the new covenant. What does it say here? The next verse, uh, portion of the verse says, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Think about this just for a second. What Christ modeled for us more than 2,000 years ago still applies today, amen? That is that the gospel and the truth have not changed. Amen. They cannot be modified to our lifestyle. They cannot be modified to, you know, us living in sin. And so the gospel and the truth have not changed. But guess what? Man and people and preachers and false teachers and false, you know, prophets have tried to tweak or twist or modify or redefine the truth of God's word. But how many of you remember what Deuteronomy 4 and 2 says? You're like, no. All right, it's on the screen. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it. Amen. What does that tell us? Don't change it. Do not add from it and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I will give you. See, this is why Jesus wasn't talking about simply reforming the past. He's not talking about reforming the past, but he was speaking of the new way that we were to receive him. Amen. The new way that we were to receive him into our hearts. The second thing that he said was new wine is not put into an old bottle. Um, I I don't want to pick on these guys, but, like, how many of you have ever seen those people on the side of the road that sell, like, the the juice? Uh, I don't know what it's called. The aguas frescas. All right. You ever see those guys? And they got, like, all these barrels. And Pastor and I, every time we pass these guys, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, there's nothing but, like, hot juice in there. Like, what kind of bacteria is growing in that thing right now? Now, granted, I know that they don't actually serve it out of those things, but that's where my mind goes. I think to myself, like, man, I don't want to drink, you know, some, like, hot, you know, juice from the side of the road, right? It looks much better, and it would be much nicer that if I went to a clean restaurant and they packaged it well and then they served it to me right it would be much more refreshing now they could completely fool me and they could have it out back in a in a cow trough you know and 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 still feed it to me but if it was packaged nice i'd probably receive it new wine is not put into an old bottle why would you take something new that the lord wants to do and repackage it into something old He says it would burst the bottle. Jesus was specifically meaning that he was not putting his teaching into the old life and the ways of the law, but he was launching a new life and a new covenant. He was launching something completely brand new. Mark 2 and 22 says, no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, the wine will burst and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined says, no, he pours new wine into new wineskins. You know, I believe it's important for us as as believers, as children of God, that when we wake up and we receive a new morning and we receive new mercy, that we would say, Lord, make me new. Make me new, Lord Jesus. This is the day that you've made, right? I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, I give you, Lord, opportunity. I give you the place in my heart and my life, Lord, to do something new, Lord, to do something new in my life that I've never seen, Lord. And guess what, Lord, to, to, you know, as soon as we close our eyes tonight, you know, yesterday's done. We can't go back. We can't change it. We can't change anything from the past, amen? And so the time for the new, it always comes in life, amen? The time for new always comes in life and in history. And the days of patching, the old will not suffice. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had to do repairs, but, you know, if you do repairs and you just keep patching something, all you're doing, it's like putting a Band-Aid over a cancer. It's like, you know, just simply covering something and it's like, oh, well, it's out of sight and out of mind. And see, the Lord doesn't work that way in our life, amen? The Lord wants to get into the deepest places of our heart, and he wants to, you know, reveal those things to us, and he wants to shine his light inside of that place so that he can do something new in your life, amen? But if we keep trying to sweep our sin and our life and our old habits, and we push it under the rug, and we'd say, well, out of sight, out of mind, well, guess what? It's certainly not out of God's sight. He sees everything, amen? He's well aware of what we do and what we don't do, amen? And so there's no fooling the Lord, amen? And so man himself will die in the old garment of his flesh unless he comes to Christ for a new beginning. We will perish if we don't come to Jesus and say, Lord, I receive you, Lord, from this place. Born again, renewed, Lord, heart, soul, mind, and spirit. You remember Nicodemus, he was this man that that understood a lot about God, but he came to Jesus one night in John chapter three, and and Jesus told him, he said, unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. See, to be born again means to be made new, amen? That means that you, you... the old you died, and that the new you has come, amen, that you've risen in Christ, and he went on to say, I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the spirit, amen, and so nobody can enter into that place unless they're born of water and of spirit, amen, so the Lord is looking to do something new in our life. I was able a few weeks ago to uh, attend Chi Alpha, and I was uh, there with my wife, and, and we were able to, to go to, you know, one of the university meetings, and, and Sister Gloria, who's right here in the front, is embarrassed now. She was ministering from the word of God, and she mentioned something like this in her message that stood out to me, and it said this, God doesn't want to condemn us, but rather he desires to cleanse us. Amen? That means, again, that the Lord doesn't want to just, you know, simply not give us an opportunity for redemption and renewal but the Lord actually wants to cleanse us from our old life, amen? He wants to make us new. John 5 and 24 says this, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned for he has crossed over from death to life, amen? Ephesians 4 and 22 says, so you were taught with the regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, Amen? to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23, it says, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. See, does the Lord love new? Amen. Yes, he does. The Lord is wanting us. He's telling us in his word. He's saying, put on the new self. Some of you might be born again and you may have received Jesus into your life, but you haven't put on the new self. You're still living from a place where you're operating from the old way of life. And the Lord is saying, put on the new self. Titus 3 and 3. He says, at one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived and we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and in envy, being hated and hating on one another. But when the kindness and the love of our God and our Savior appeared, He saved us. Somebody say, He saved me. He saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done. See, if it was about living up to the law, guess what? We're all doomed. If it was about living up to the law and being perfect and trying to walk a, a perfect life. I'll never forget, my dad told me one day, you know, after he had given his heart to Jesus, he said, you know, son, you know, it's, it's really hard for me. Like, I try to go a whole day without, like, saying a bad word. And it was really hard for him. You know, how many of you know that, the, that, the, that you know, we are born again in the spirit, but guess what? It's the same flesh that's being transformed. And so my dad was like, you know, son, I, I, I find myself struggling. Like, like, I was like, oh, man, I went a whole day, so I'm going to try to go another day without saying a bad word. And I did it, right? And it was all in his strength. It was in his willpower. And how many of you know that's going to be an exhausting way to live for Jesus? Because at this point, guess what? We are not living through the Spirit because we're trying to live on our own willpower. And I want to remind somebody and give your heart rest tonight, it's not by strength, amen, it's not by might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. It's only through Jesus, He is the only way that we are going to be made acceptable in the eyes of a righteous and holy God. He says He saved us not because of the righteous things that we've done, But because of his mercy, because of his grace, amen, it says he saved us through the washing and rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. And so church, we have to dress ourselves in the garments of renewal, amen? We have to dress ourselves every morning in, in, in the garments of the new covenant. That is, we must be clothed in righteousness of Christ. Don't put on your clothes, amen? Uh, actually, put on your clothes, sorry. But don't put on your clothes of your flesh, right? Don't put on the clothes of your mind, of your habits. Put on the armor of God, Amen? Put on the truth of God. Amen. Be born again and through the washing of Jesus' blood. He says in the scripture, put on the new attitude of your mind, the new self. Like I started with in the beginning, you cannot know what God thinks about your life if you do not know his word. Some of us struggle with our mind constantly. How many of you have had... Mind games, amen. You've, you've had some serious mind struggles, and, and guess what? You know, it's the enemy trying to pull us back into that place. He doesn't want you to live from a renewed mind. He doesn't want you to live from that place of knowing what it was done for your life upon the cross of Calvary. He doesn't want us to live from that place. He wants us to live like we're still slaves, he wants us to live like we're still captive. He wants you to live still under the law. He wants you to live in that place where you're not truly free, where you haven't felt the relief of finding rest in Jesus. He wants us to be stressed and he wants us to be burdened. He wants us to not have peace in our life, in our heart. But the scripture says clearly, put on the new attitude of the mind, the new self for the results of walking in our newly created life will make us righteous. Do you know, church, that we nullify the new life in Christ when we think it's our good works and when we think it's our service in ministry that will make us acceptable to God? We nullify what Jesus has done for our life when we think that our good works are going to make us right before him. And this simply isn't the truth. He saved us. He saved us. He washed us in his blood. He made us new. He died for us. He renewed us, and he raised us back to life. We had nothing to do with it. The Bible says that what? He chose us. We didn't choose him. We must always be thankful for the grace of God, amen? Always be thankful that the Lord has raised us back to life. Programs and methods and organizations and even the religions of this world will all die and become ineffective unless they are based upon Christ and his newness and the new beginning that he has given us. The foundation of life is Christ and the new garment is his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says this. So we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Amen. It says, as though God were making his appeal through us, it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, God's purpose was that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Very simply, what it's saying is when a person believes in Jesus Christ and they place their their life in his hands through faith, God takes that man's faith and counts it as righteousness. That means that the man is not righteous, but God considers and credits the man's faith as righteousness. Why? Because of where he places his faith. And he places it in Jesus When you've placed your faith in Jesus through the eyes of a holy and living God, the Lord sees you as righteous and acceptable. The Lord sees you as righteous and acceptable. And why is the Lord willing to do this? That word ambassador means an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Interesting definition. That means that the Lord, when you came to him, he is trusting you. Amen? He is trusting me to represent his kingdom, his son, and his father through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's wanting us to be ambassadors in this world. Guess what, church? We're not going to be here forever. Amen? We're not going to be here forever. This world is simply not our home. And you know what? That's the best news of all. I love that scripture in the book of Revelation that says, one day he will wipe every tear. Sickness and disease will be no more. When I think of heaven and I think of how grand and glorious heaven is. The times where, you know, I've 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 felt the tangible presence of God. How many of you have ever really felt the Lord like just in a powerful way, amen? those times where I felt just the tangible glory of God's presence, it baffles my mind to think that it's that place that I'll be in forever. For all of eternity, I'll never be outside of that I'll never have a mood swing. I'll never have my my peace and my heart disturbed, amen. I'll never have like confusion or questions again. I'll be in the presence of a living God in this perfect place that could compare to nothing like this earth has ever seen. We long for too many things in this earth, and guess what? We are longing for the wrong things, amen? We need to be longing for the spirit of a living God. We need to be longing for the presence of an almighty God, amen? Just like David said, he says, As a deer pants for living water, so my soul longs after you, Lord. That needs to be the longing of our heart, amen, is, is to know him, is to, is to experience and encounter the Lord in a powerful and mighty way. And guess what? He is trusting those who have tasted of his goodness to be ambassadors to those who have not. How many of you love a good restaurant? Raise your hand. All right, tell me about one, all right? I need some new ones on the list. My wife and I went to this new restaurant. I won't mention its name. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for doing that. But if I give them free advertisement, then maybe they should cut me a check or something. But anyways, we went to this new restaurant that we had never been to, and we were excited to go there. And And uh, it was actually at this location where this other restaurant you know, used to be, and they remade the whole thing. And it was like this completely new place, like, you know, it was, it was interesting because the place that was there before was kind of a little bit run down and it just, you know, the tables were sticky, you know, like it was one of those kind of places. But this new place, like it was completely redone. I mean, ceilings, floors, tables, menus, food, like everything was so nice. And it was awesome because when you sat down at this place, like everything that you were going to receive was, was, was going to be like fresh and new. And it was even stuff that I had never tasted before. Like, I've never gotten chicharrones, like, for an appetizer. It was awesome. And they put this little, like, sprinkle, like, dust from heaven on there. I don't know what it was, but it was delicious. (laughs) And then they had this other appetizer that was, like, avocado with, like, corn and, like, all this, like, delicious stuff. I'm making somebody hungry tonight. Yeah, we're licking our lips now, right? And it was this awesome experience because it was new. It was so awesome to see something presented to me in a new way. And it was refreshing. Amen? And I say this because I believe that the Lord wants to refresh our heart. That means that, you know, Jesus doesn't, you know, like show up, you know, and he doesn't change his message, you know, and modify stuff. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that he wants to do a new thing in your heart and in your life. If you've gotten complacent, if you've gotten stagnant, if your heart has grown cold, the Lord wants to rekindle that fire. If we've gotten, you know, in this place in our life where we're kind of just, you know, you know, bottled up and we we see ourselves, you know, just kind of going through the motions again and again and again, the Lord wants to do something new in your life. Because when the Lord begins to renew your life, others will notice Others will take notice when your life is transformed. Others will take notice that you're no longer walking in darkness and you're no longer living the way that you used to, but they'll see Jesus upon your life. Amen? I love that scripture in Acts chapter 4 that talks about how when Peter and John, they were before the Sanhedrin, they were there and they were being accused and, and, you know, they were, you know, being charged with, you know, kind of just disturbing the city. But really what had happened was there was a blind guy that got healed. <laughs> and this blind man was now healed and they were upset about it, you know, because they had been preaching the name of Jesus. And because they had been preaching the name of Jesus, they were so angry and they were so bothered by it and they wanted something to accuse them for. And they really had nothing on them. All they had was that they were talking about Jesus. But the scripture says that that there was this man that was there that was once blind, who is now healed, standing in the courtroom. And if that isn't evidence of a living God, you know, and these guys trying to disprove who Jesus was, then I don't know what is. And so they literally were murmuring amongst themselves, and they said, these men, they're unschooled and they're unlearned, but they have been with Jesus. And I believe that the Lord wants you and I to understand this thing tonight. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter if, you know, you went to Bible school or not. The world is just simply looking for somebody that's been with Jesus. Amen. He's looking for hearts that have been with the Lord that that would be able to lead somebody to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2 and 2 says this, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus. And it says, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs for they want to please their commanding officer. Amen. It's important for us to understand that, you know, we have a mission in this world. Amen. We have an assignment in this world and we cannot lose track of that assignment and that is that we would tell and disciple this world to Jesus amen we need to do that and the last thing is this new wine is always challenging to receive if somebody has been drinking from the old you see men were slow to give up the old and they were too content with their religious ways and so men would often refuse to even consider what God wanted to do Now, I've seen this a lot because I've seen people in the church that just get so set in their ways, they think that, you know, God can't use somebody else. Or God can't use, you know, somebody that's young. Or God can't, you know, do this or that or whatever. And listen, there's that saying that says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Or another saying that says as people get older, they get set in their ways. But Jesus was combating this very spirit against the old wine that the church had been drinking and against the old ways. And it's very interesting to me to see the contrast between those who are fully surrendered and those who are still standing at the river's edge. I can walk into, you know, almost any church and see who's surrendered and see who's not. It's very evident to see when some of us are still wearing the old and we're still bound up like we once were. It's very evident to see those who are free and those who have been liberated and, and, and set free through Christ. And I'm reminded of when the Israelites, they were led by Joshua through the, into the promised land. And as they were into the, going towards the promised land, the Lord told the elders and the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant. That was the presence of God to take the Ark of the Covenant and go stand in the middle of the Jordan River in preparation before crossing into the Promised Land. And so Joshua 3 and 9 says this, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And this is how you will know that the living God is amongst you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Verse 11 says, So see, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now I want us to note something here. When Joshua was speaking, he wasn't commanding people from the shore. I'll say that one more time. When Joshua was speaking, he wasn't commanding people from the shore, but he was standing in the river with the presence of the living God. And you have to, to be standing in the river to know that your enemies are defeated. This is why so many people fall away and they backslide and they don't fully trust God because guess what? They've just been standing at the river's edge the whole time. Surrender looks like diving in. It looks like letting go of the old. It looks like letting go of what's familiar and trusting the Lord to sustain you. Amen. Most spiritual warfare happens between the ears. Some of you got that. I'll say it again. Most spiritual warfare happens between the ears. And so many Christians are defeated because they think they can stand safely on the shores without jumping into the rivers of the Holy Spirit. So many Christians, you know, are like the thousand, a hundred thousand Israelite soldiers that stood in that valley of Elah and they watched Goliath literally defile their nation for 40 days and guess what? They said nothing. They said nothing. And it's interesting to me to see how silent the church has become and how loud the devil's agenda has become. Really interesting to me. Because it tells me that you don't actually believe what you've read. It tells me that you don't actually stand on what it is that you've confessed and professed to believe. It's just you believe it where it's comfortable. You believe it where it's convenient. You believe it where, you know, it's, it's easy. Guess what? Go out in the world and tell somebody that, yes, that, that Jesus loves them. Amen? Go out into the world and preach the gospel. Out there you'll see that, guess what? Not everybody wants to receive it. Not everybody's willing to accept it. In here, it's like an echo chamber. What I say and what the word is being preached to you, it's easy to receive here because guess what? You know, we're all believers. We all are, are after Jesus. We all want the same thing. But go out there and tell somebody that's an atheist that Jesus died for their sins. Why am I saying this? Because again, we see that so many profess to be living in the river, but they're standing on the shore. When the presence of God went into the river, it was the only way, church, that they were going to get to the promised land. And the only way that we're going to get to heaven is by through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Because like I said, it's not by might, it's not by strength, but it is by the Spirit, says the Lord. It is only through the Holy Spirit. It's only through relying on him and trusting in him. You have to be in the battle to know that your God will go before you to destroy your enemies. And so I ask this question, what does the river of the Holy Spirit do for us and in us? What is the river of the Holy Spirit here to do in your life? The simple answer is this, is rivers Move. Rivers move, amen, and lakes stand still. Uh, John chapter 7 and verse 38 says, Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst forth out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, like the scripture says. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit. that The believers were being prepared to receive, it says, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not been unveiled in his full splendor. But how many of you know, church, that Jesus has made available to us his powerful Holy Spirit? Amen? The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is with you right now, even though you're on your phone and you're not listening. And how do we know this? Because Jesus said in John 16 and verse 7, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, a lot of people don't even know that the Holy Spirit's with us because they can't feel him, but he's already said it. Oh, but Pastor Duke, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. See, not every time do you feel God, amen? doesn't mean that God has left you just because you don't feel God. You're relying on your feelings and your sensation, but guess what? The word does not change. Your feelings will go up and down. Your feelings are just the worst barometer for your spiritual life that you could ever place your faith in. But the Word of God is is the only thing that is enduring and eternal. Amen? And because we know the Word of God, then we're able to see what Jesus has already done for us. Amen? Much of today's church relies more on a book that the early church did not have than the Holy Spirit that they did. When we are in the Spirit, the Spirit moves in us and through us like a river. Did you know, church, that that rivers don't follow paths? They actually create them. Think about that. I baffled uh, DJ's mind uh, uh, some time ago. He went to visit the Grand Canyon. And I said, did you know that that was created by a river? He's like, no. I was like, yeah, actually, it's the Colorado River. It's way down at the bottom, if, if, if you've ever gone there, and you realize that that river at once was very vast, and it was very grand, and it literally carved that entire thing, and if you've been to the Grand Canyon, I mean, I've been when I was a kid, it, you know, was eight or nine years old the last time I've been there, but I mean, that thing is like the most massive thing that you've probably ever seen, and that's because it's just a speck of dust in comparison to the expanse of our entire world but rivers create their own path they move and they bring refreshing to those who step in they cleanse and they wash away the filth and they can sweep away people even to their death and see and the holy spirit is wanting to move through your life and this is the challenge of the lord for us tonight when we're clothed in the renewal of our heart and our mind and our life And when we stop drinking the old wine and stop the stagnancy and stop relying on our flesh, and when we start this new journey in the river, then we will start depositing into the lives of others. But unless we're renewed, the work won't happen. Unless we're truly trusting in God, then the work will be unfulfilled. The second thing is rivers wash and they renew us. That is, if we don't step into the river of the Holy Spirit, then we cannot be renewed. We cannot step into the new wine that the Lord has prepared for us. In the Old Testament, they brought new wine as a part of their sacrifice and their first fruits to God. But Jesus takes that old practice and completely renews it. And now he's saying this, you don't have to bring your wine to offer something to me. All you have to do is bring your heart so that I can pour something in you. What a beautiful, beautiful picture, amen? so that he can pour something in our life. And those who've received the new mind and the new garment and the new wineskins, they become like this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, I believed and therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise, uh, raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. He said, all of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen? And so faith in Jesus takes us from the realm of knowledge to the realm of revelation in Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you stand, with, stand to your feet with me tonight? See, when Christ has been revealed to our hearts, then and only then we will fulfill the word. I'll say it one more time. When Christ is fully revealed to our hearts, then and only then will we fulfill his word. And say this, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. How many of you believe in Jesus tonight? Amen. Just lift your hands to the Lord for just a moment. The world does not want anyone's old religion, but they want the new wine of the Holy Spirit.